Welcome to the shit show for the second time. <laughs> uh, Craig yeeted himself within the first like two minutes. So I'm hoping that this is not going to turn into another episode where it's like. But I do before I uh, we talk about our case today, Kate and I, uh, we were both not feeling well earlier this week. Uh, Kate was not was sick. She said she didn't have a voice. And I've been fighting a migraine because up until yesterday, was it? No, it wasn't yesterday. What's today? Thursday, Tuesday. So Tuesday, I finally got my glasses that I'm supposed to wear pretty much all the time. And I think that's why I've been having such a hard time and like having headaches and shit is because. Because she doesn't do what she's supposed to do. Yes. Well, I didn't get my glasses until Tuesday. Like the right prescription. So, but who's fault they have the right prescription before them? Oh. <laughs> no, these are the remember these are the glasses that I said that I wanted them in the purple frames. Oh, right, 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 but, right. So I wanted these glasses in purple frames, but they no longer had the purple, which was lame. So they had to special order these ones because they didn't even have the frames in the store because I refused to get different frames. I just got a different color. <laughs> Because I'm old and crotchety and stuck in my ways. <laughs> All right, I still love you. Uh, and a blanket statement before we start, too, guys. I know that you guys are going to be listening to this on New Year's Eve, and so I want everybody to be safe. You know, um, there are numbers you can call, like Uber and Lyft, when you are too inebriated to drive. Yeah, don't be um, that guys. Come on. Personally, I'm a big fan of just getting drunk in my living room. Uh, that way, it's only a 10-foot crawl. Well, not really 10-foot, but it's just a slow crawl to bed rather than having to worry about all that. So, Also cheaper. But it also shows my age. <laughs> that I'd rather get drunk at home. Uh, I'm younger than you and I'd rather get drunk at home. What does that say? That you have an old lady stole. Well, okay, I really like an 80-year-old woman and like a 27-year-old woman's body. Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm I I am a golden girl at heart. I'm telling you, <laughs> Betty White for life. Yes, although okay, I love Betty White, but she was not my favorite on that show. Oh no, not at all. But I just mean like Betty White in general. She turned a hundred. Can you believe that? Yes, Betty White is immortal. Yes, and if we can get through the rest of 2021, and nothing happens, we must protect Betty White. Now she is like the. We must protect her at all costs. <laughs> She's Fair. an amazing lady. Uh, all right. So, Kate, tell us what you are going to be talking about today. All right. So today we are going to talk about a man they call Dr. Death. His name is Harold Shipman. And he was convicted of killing 15 mm -hmm. of his patients. But it's believed that he killed over 250 through lethal injection as a general practitioner. Because, you know, we can't have nice fucking things. Well, you know, I just... I'm going to be interested to hear what his reasoning was. Because, like, a lot of these, like, angel of death people say that they're mercy killings or what the fuck ever. So it's going to be interesting to see, like, if that's also his perspective as a doctor. Um, spoiler alert, it's not. He's... <laughs> A sadistic bastard. Okay. Uh, 
just just thought I'd say that he's he's just an asshole. Wonderful. Um, yes, he's great. <laughs> so I don't want to go into too much with him because fuck this guy. Much like you, when it comes to that, we're not remembering the man; we're remembering the victims. Right. Um, and I'm sorry, I'm not going to name all 250 because that would just take the whole fucking hour. Mm. Um, but there, I will, I'll send you a list and you can maybe post it under, like we can just copy paste it so people can read a little bit about them if anything. But I will talk about the ones that he was convicted of. Okay. So that's a much shorter list. <laughs> um... The only big thing that I will say about him is that um, it is believed that he started kind of having like this fixation with lethal injection at the age of 17 because his mother um, was diagnosed with lung cancer. And it says, while she lay dying in the hospital, he closely observed how the doctors eased her suffering by administering morphine to her. And they say, um, experts later speculate that this is the moment that inspired his sadistic killing spree and modus operandi, which basically means the way he kills people. But also fun fact, um, his mother has the same name as my daughter. So that was fucking weird. But here's my question on that, though. So you said that his mother was his. Ins they think that his mother was his inspiration. But they were helping her. How did he like... I'm just trying to figure out how he went from like A to Z with no letters in the middle. He also <laughs> liked to have sex with the, the dead bodies, so... Wait, what? He also liked to have sex with the dead bodies, so... <laughs> okay. I'm not sure logic really applies here. There is no logic. No. Like, yeah, it's a whole thing. Um, his mother died, like I said, and he married a girl, uh, Primrose May. Ox I like that name. I know. I think it's a really cute name. And this is while he was studying medicine at the Leeds University Medical School. They did have four children. Um, and they say, you know, oh, it seemed like he was a pretty normal dude. Had a wife, had kids, was a doctor, yada, yada, blah, blah, blah. You know what? If anybody ever describes me as somebody who has a perfectly normal life, just assume I fucking killed somebody, okay? I but like I don't okay. That I have a normal life, they don't fucking know me. I know um, that on like Instagram and all other social media, people like to try to pretend that like oh, they have all their marbles in a row, but like most people don't. So when they so when someone describes you as having a perfect life, they don't know you. Mm -mm. And also, my ducks have never been in a row. They are running around. There's at least one on the ceiling, and I don't know where five of them are. But my kids. Oh yeah, are no. One of mine's playing hockey in the road. Like, it's fine. Like we're good. <laughs> he did graduate in 1970, and I didn't know this was a thing, but maybe it was just back in the 70s, or maybe this is what they used to call like med students or something. And they say commenced life as a junior doctor. So I don't know if that's, like, right after a med school. Like, maybe that was their version of, like... Yeah, of, like, a resident. Yeah, so I'm guessing maybe that's what that is. 
not super sure this is also in the uk so uk people if that's still a thing please tell me what that is because junior doctor just sounds really fucking weird to me it feels like makes me think of like a high school student for some reason <laughs> it just feels like it should be like a disney junior show <laughs> yeah. like Dewey hauser junior doctor yeah. yeah like that's what it sounds like it should be <laughs> Um, they do say he quickly moved up the ranks and became a general practitioner at a medical center in West Yorkshire. So, obviously, he's a very smart man. He got through medical school. You know, not saying he wasn't. And, like, honestly, like, this picture when he was younger, like, with his young child, he he straight up looks like a very happy person. Like, but because, you know, my cynical ass, I'm like, you have somebody in your basement, don't you? <laughs> well, I know his <laughs> older picture makes me think of that. Like, sir, you have people in your basement. Right. Like, when they get older, you're like, ah. There it is. There it is. There's well, the worry lines from every time you heard a cop car and you had people in your basement. Yes. It's like, oh, okay. That's fair. No. Um, 1976, he did get in trouble with the law um because he was forging prescriptions for Demerol which is an opioid that is used to treat severe pain for his own use because he, and he had become like addicted to it so i don't I mean, know if he had ever had like an injury and then like you know or anything or if it was just one of those he saw that it helped his mom so he's like fuck it i have pain it's emotional pain but i don't know the fucking difference and so tried that i don't know but he was addicted to opioids which as we all know, are super fucking addictive, so. Well, yeah, I was gonna say, all it takes, like, I get it, because, like, uh, when I had both of my back surgeries, they gave me oxycodone, Ooh. Demerol. No. Oh, God. Um, tramadol. I mean, they wanted to keep me comfortably numb. Right. Because yeah. I was in so much pain. And, like, I... As someone with insomnia, oh man, I can tell you I've never slept better. <laughs> you were probably zonked to hell. Oh yeah, I was like, if I took it, luckily I had someone else here most of the time. Right, but um, I would sleep like sixteen hours. <laughs> so I mean, fuck yeah, you would, especially when you mix your opioids. Yeah, you're gonna sleep for fucking ever. So I totally get. Right. I get it. I get it. Because, like, let me tell you, there are nights that I'm awake after I've already taken my sleeping pills and they're not working, that I'm like, man, I wish I had some Demerol. Right? I was going to say, I'm just imagining you. Fuck, I need some Demerol. <laughs> I was like, that should knock me on my ass. Oh, my God. But he was fined, fired from his job, and was required to attend a rehab clinic. He did that. Good. It does say that he seemed to get back on his feet quickly and returned to work at Donnybrook Medical Center in Hyde in 1977. So, I mean, you know, that was only a year. That's not too bad. But that also tells me he didn't really deal with his shit. And, you know, it also makes me wonder, like, now I'm not saying that we should hold doctors above a certain standard. No, you're saying. But I feel like he should have been monitored when working with patients because he was dealing with other people's lives. You know what I mean? Like, or at least not have been able to write like, now I don't know if you know anything about this, but like 
as somebody who worked in pharmacy and stuff and who deals with the elderly now, because I'm working back as a CNA, because I like to jump ship, because I'm weird. Um, <laughs> uh, always to different medical fields, though. Fun fact. Um, C2s, so those are like your control substances that like, we will not, like, they cannot, like, fill early unless there's, like, a serious reason. Mm-hmm. So that'd be more like your Norcos, your Percocets, your Oxycodones, stuff like that. Um, definitely Demerol. You have to get certified now to be able to write those. So, like, residents, unless they take a specific class, cannot write those types of prescriptions without attending, signing off on it. You know, that makes sense because, so my general practitioner didn't give me any narcotics, none. There's a lot of people that aren't, that don't want to fuck with it. So they don't do it with the certifications and you have to like re-up those every so many years. Couldn't tell you what it is. I have doctor friends, but I don't. Yeah, I, I don't remember. A sketch. I don't remember what it's called, but I do know that the only way I could get the heavy-duty prescriptions was from specialists. Like, my pain doctor and my orthopedic surgeon and... Yeah, there have been a big rise in pain clinics because they're trying to get it to where they're able to watch these things. And, like, that's why if you get, um, if you have pain management and mental health management, but you go to, like, clinics where you don't always see the same doctor, people have trouble getting things, like, for mental health and pain because they think that they're doctor hopping, not realizing they're from the same clinic because insurance. Yeah, so no, I get that. Hey, we squirreled, but it was, like, it made sense. Oh, no, because, like, okay, so I'm going to squirrel just a little further. So... Before my second surgery, I was having a hard time walking because the nerves in my back were being pinched and it was causing me to lose feeling in my left leg. Well, after my surgery, the swelling was so bad that I actually lost feeling in my left leg and I had to use a cane to walk around, right? Well, I ran out of pain medication and I don't remember what I was doing. I was out with my kids somewhere and I fell and I fell hard and like I fell on my hip not like and it was on the hip that they also want to do surgery on um and I went to the emergency room because I was like in I mean I was sobbing I was in so much pain and I they actually told me that I was a drug seeker (laughs) and that the most that they could give me was tramadol and I was like that's not gonna help me right now. <laughs> like I need I was like, I don't even need you to give me a prescription of anything. You can just give me a shot of something in my back specifically. Like I just and yeah. So I get it because it took a long time to even get me to get someone to take my back pain seriously. It took me almost eight months before someone sent me to a pain management doctor and he did this test where like I don't know if you've ever had it done, but like they stick needles in your leg. And, like, they send electric shocks down your leg, and they wait for the signal to come back up. And if, and he was like, well, you're definitely experiencing something that's because I sent the shocks down 
most of the nerves in your leg and only 20% received the signal back up the leg. So meaning that I was not actually feeling anything in my le- in that in certain parts of my leg. He's like, you're definitely like something's wrong. And I was like, yeah, like I cried in his office because I was like, this is the first time that someone actually believed that something was wrong. And then I had two back surgeries after that. So Mm-mm. I get it. Like, it's it's a tough world out there. So it is. And to be fair, there are a lot of people who are drug seeking. So I get it. There's a whole other big yeah. thing. That. That's a whole other can of worms for a whole other thing. It is. But. Ultimately, the whole point of all that was once I got the drugs and I was much more comfortable, I can understand using them as a crutch. And so someone who's a doctor and who's able to prescribe these things to other people, knowing that he is an addict, is concerning that only a year later he was being able to practice without any monitoring. That's what the whole point of that squirrel conversation was. But the 70s! Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. That's the explanation right there. The 70s! Yes. (laughs) Um, So yeah, he was at Donnybrook Medical Center in Hyde, UK, in 1977. And he would spend the next 15 years of his career there before setting up a one-man practice in 1993. Excuse me. He did develop a reputation among patients and his community as a good and helpful physician and was renowned for his bedside manner, which to be fair is kind of interesting because there's a lot of people who are not, you know, good at that whole bedside manner thing, but they're amazing doctors. And it said, no one knew that the good doctor, and that was in quotations, was secretly killing his patients, which is insane to me. I don't know how no one could realize this, but again, that's just me. Especially since he's con, con- since he's um, con- you know they think he killed so many. Like how did how does nobody notice that many people dying? <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't know how that happens. I'm like, how is that even a possibility that nobody was like, hmm? At least before this, I should say, like. Yeah, like, no one was like, even in the last guy that we did this, remember the the dude nurse? Even people started calling him the angel of death. Right. Because they were noticing as a, as a orderly that people were dying around him. So how does nobody, I guess maybe, especially as a general practitioner, I could get it, I could kind of get it if he was like a surgeon. Yeah. Because, I mean, shit happens. Because, yeah, I mean, he could, I, I could see how he could get away with it longer as a surgeon. Yeah. But even then, eventually, someone would notice. So how, as a general practitioner, did you get people not to notice you were killing people? I don't even know, man. To be fair, most of his patients were elderly, so people probably just kind of assumed, you know, that kind of shit, but still. So his first patient that um, um, he killed, 30-year-old Eva Lyons, and it was on her birthday in March of 1975. Um, he had somehow managed to get his hands on enough uh, diamorphine to kill hundreds of people, though no one was even aware of his addiction until 1977. So he had a crap ton of diamorphine. What the fuck? And then, you know, 
How did nobody notice he was ordering that much? I don't think it was. Because you have to order shit like that. Yeah, I don't. Don't you? It was as regulated. Well, I know it's regulated now. Well, I think even as a, maybe at a hospital, he would maybe went to different floors or, or something. You never, never know. No. Yeah, um, but you still have to account for it, right? I would think so, but hey. Oh, yeah. So after he was fired for this uh, prescription forging, he was not removed from the General Medical Council, which is a doctor's regulatory body. He just received a warning letter. Forgot to say that. What the fuck? Sir, yeah. we do not appreciate what you're doing. You need to stop immediately. Sincerely, <laughs> dumbasses. <laughs> D-A-M-Ds. Fuck. Gosh, I know. And it does say that he was kind of one of those people that would kind of stop and then restart his killing spree. Um, but it was always the same. He would target his most vulnerable, oldest patient, or most the vulnerable, excuse me. His oldest patient was 93, but his youngest was only 41. Okay, how does nobody notice that? 41, even in the 70s, is kind of young to die. Yeah. 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 He would, it says, he, he would administer the lethal dose them die right there, or send them home to perish. Jesus. Yeah. Um, they do believe that he killed 71 practice and the remainder was while he was operating his one man practice. Um, 171 were female and 44 were men. Okay, so I'm wondering if it was because of his mommy issues that he targeted women. Maybe. Not saying that the death of your mom gives you mommy issues. That's not what I'm getting at. What I'm saying is for this guy. Yeah. I think he used the death of his mother as an excuse to be a dickbag. Yeah, I could see that. So in 1998, um, undertakers in his community um, became suspicious of the number of his patients that were diring. Diring. Wow. Dying. Diring. <laughs> yeah. They were writing in their diaries. Yes. <laughs> the neighboring medical practice further discovered that the death rate of his patient was almost 10 times higher than their own. They did report, Jesus. Um, right, the concern to local coroners and the greater Manchester police were called. Um, it should have been the reign of end of his reign of terror, but it wasn't. Because, of course, not. Um, the police investigation failed to carry out the most basic checks, including whether Shipman had a criminal record. If they had asked the medical board what was on his file, they would have un they would have uncovered he had forged prescriptions in the past. They didn't and look. Also Apparently not. Jeez. And he covered his tracks by um, adding false illnesses to his victims' records. So the investigations didn't find any cause for concern, and the deadly doctor was still free to continue. See, this is why. I'm convinced that the ones with the higher intelligences are able to get away with so much because they think about that shit. Right. They're like, oh, I gotta make it logical to why these fuckers would need this shit. Yeah. Like, he goes the extra step to, like, show in their medical records that they 
had illnesses that could explain their untimely death, which... Which is terrifying, but ingenious. Because <laughs> it's like, now when I go to the doctor, I'm going to be like, are you going to kill me? <laughs> Please say that to your doctor and record his reaction. Oh, I will. <laughs> I have so, no... Here's how he was finally exposed. He tried to forge the will of one of his victims, who was 81-year-old Kathleen Grundy, who was a former mayor of the town that he lived in, Hyde. He administered a lethal dose of diamorphine and salox on her will to hide the evidence, and he used his typewriter to write her family out of the will entirely, leaving everything to him. See... Stupid people win stupid prizes. He got he got cocky. Um, luckily, she was buried, not cremated, and her daughter was notified about the will by local solicitors, and she immediately su suspected foul play and went to the police. Um, she said that the situation was unbelievable, and the thought of her mom signing a document leaving everything to her doctor was just inconceivable. The concept of her signing a document which was so badly typed didn't make sense. Which cracks me up. So apparently he didn't even type it well. Um, it well. was exhumed on August of 1998 and they found the diamorphine in her muscle tissues. And then he was arrested on September 7th of that year. Yeah, I mean... At least if you're gonna poison someone make it something that dissipates quickly right like insulin stop telling people how you're killing people no <laughs> just kidding she doesn't because, listen kill people that i know of. insulin is something your body produces naturally but if you have an increase in insulin and then you die the coroner can just think huh Undiagnosed diabetes. Diabetes. So. I get it. So over the next two months in 1998, 11 other victims were exhumed and they checked um, Shipman's surgery computer and discovered he made false entries to support fake causes of death um, that he gave on a vic the victim's death certificates. He insisted that Grundy was addicted to a drug like morphine or heroin and pointed to his notes of evidence as evidence of this, but police found that Shipman had written those notes on his computer after her death. They were able to verify 14 other cases where Shipman had given lethal doses of diamorphine, falsely registered the patient's death, and tampered with their medical history to try and show that they were dying anyway. I wonder how they figured that out with just those, but why not all the others? Maybe he didn't document as well? I'm, yeah, or it could have been that they couldn't get all the medical records, you know? Oh, maybe. Um, he had always de denied the murders and refused to cooperate with police or criminal psychiatrists. They tried to question him and show him photos of his victims. And he... <laughs> I'm sorry about this. He would sit with his eyes shut, yawned, and refused to look at the evidence. He's literally pulling the three-year-old. I can't see you, so you can't see me. That's exactly <laughs> what I was just thinking. 
I'm sorry. I should murder's not funny, guys. But, but I can just see it like uh, you can't see me, so I can't see you. Like I know, and it's so fuck? bad. I'm just like, what the fuck, dude? You are a grown ass man. <laughs> you are a grown ass man with a medical license. Yeah, no. Jesus. So like I said, police could only charge him with the 15 murders, but they do say it's estimated his kill count could be anywhere between 250 and 450. 250 Jesus. is like generally accepted. You said 250 is generally accepted? Yeah, but my guess is the 450 has to do with like probably when he was in school and also when he was working at like the hospital and medical center to where like yeah. maybe he could have been like overseeing stuff. You know what I mean? But in 2000, he was handed life imprisonment with a recommendation he never be released. So, good job, UK. We did not. But a recommendation? Like, they can't just sentence him with that? They have to recommend it? I'm pretty sure the UK is a little bit nicer than America. Um, he did get. He was incarcerated in a Manchester prison but ended up in Wakefield Prison in West Yorkshire, where he did take his own life. Um, and it was on... I know, right? It was the day before his 28th birthday, which is January 13th of 2004, he was found hanging in his cell. He told his probation officer prior to this that he was thinking about committing suicide so his wife would receive his pension and a lump sum. Which, I mean, hey... Good no, that's not it. I think he just couldn't handle prison. Well, yeah, it's probably not that hard. Like, if you can't do the time, don't do the crime, my guy. Right? So, he never explained why he, like, killed. But they do say that he had the urge to murder. Uh, some people think it's because he was trying to avenge the death of his mother. But, like, your mom was legitimately dying, so they were giving her pain meds so she wouldn't be in pain, bro. Yeah, and they didn't kill her. They just made her comfortable. Like, right. what? Well, I mean, to be fair, they make you comfortable enough to that your body then builds up the morphine because your body can't, like, filter it out. So, like, that's how you die. But, I mean, like, they weren't giving but her lethal doses of morphine. Right. People do. There are some people that do believe that he was injecting the elderly as a way of a misguided way of offering compassion, which eh, I don't know if I believe that. And some suggest that he had a God complex and simply needed to prove that he could take a life as well as save it. Which oh, yeah. That, see, that I believe because most doctors have a God complex. Oh, yeah. That's why I'm like, I'm definitely leaning more towards that. Obviously, can't prove it. Bro's dead. Right. But, but no, that would be my guess, too. That is what I definitely lean towards. Either he had some weird fucked up thing in his brain that thought he needed to avenge his mother's death at 17. Or he had a gone complex. Or a mixture of both. So this or is definitely like a nature versus nurture debate. Because, like, so the nurture part of it would be that his mom and his environment influenced his choices. Mm-hmm. 
And to and be the nature, or it would be the fact that he was a god, had that god complex, and needed to be able to say that I could take a life or save a life. Right. And like to be fair, like I kind of get it. Like in that mindset of like, he was seventeen. God only knows how his mom reacted to it. You know, she could have been you know, really stuck in, like, the anger phase when she was dying, because I don't know how long her cancer took to kill her or anything like that. Um, and that's why I say it could possibly be, like, he feels like he's avenging her death. But at the same time, bro. Avenge her death by killing other people. Like, in my and mind, I- when you avenge your de- someone's death, you kill the people that killed the person that you're avenging, right, yeah. not it's, other it people. Like, <laughs> it's not even, like, women who are the same age as his mom. Right! <laughs> like, like yeah, that's that why giant like, age range of, like, 41 to 87? Like, what? And then there were men in there, too, so I'm like, eh, meh, meh. So I'm, yeah, I'm like, how is that avenging your mom? Like, what? Yes. So there is something called... Um, the Shipman Effect. So it says I the cannot. Shipman case in a series of recommendations in the Shipman Inquiry Report led to changes in the standard medical proce- procedures in the UK, which are now referred to as the Shipman Effect. Many doctors reported changes in their dispensing practices as well as a reluctance to risk over-prescribing pain medication, which may have led to under-prescribing. Death certification practices were altered as well, but the largest change in the movement from single doctor general practices to multiple doctor general practices. But it was not a recommendation, but rather the report stated that there was not enough safeguarding and monitoring of doctor decisions. Yeah. And then it says the forms needed for cremation and Lindells have had their question result of the shipment case. So it says the person organizing the funeral must answer, do you know or suspect the death of a person who died from violent, was violent or unnatural? Or do you consider that there should be any further examination of the remains for the, of the person who has died? So like they give the option for people to like kind of double check like the ideas of these doctors as why they were like, why they died. So I thought that was interesting. Not saying we should yeah. oh, take 250 to 450 deaths for this shit to happen. I feel like it should have been fucking common sense. But you know what, though? I feel like this is one of those uh, caution coffee is hot situations. Right. <laughs> well, to be fair, like, though, if you've ever looked into that one, McDonald's was actually in the wrong for that. But that's a whole other thing. Well, yeah, but what I'm saying is like there's a warning label because some because people lack common sense. Like can of nuts may contain peanuts. I fucking hope so. Right? Like if it doesn't have nuts, I'm going to be pretty pissed off. Well, this is the whole point I want to eat it. <laughs> to be fair, then there's those like cookies that everybody knows have sewing supplies in them and the one time you find cookies, you feel really weird about it. Yeah. Even if you see it in the store, you're like, obviously this has cooking cookies, not sewing supplies. But I feel like it should have sewing supplies in it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Like, I just... For people, the general populace can be so smart 
sometimes, but ha- lack basic general knowledge. Yeah, we really should call it uncommon sense. Yes. So I get them. I like that they added it. I just wish, like you right. said, that they had done it sooner. It was that it was not something that was. It should have been. It shouldn't have been an afterthought. Yeah, it's not a reactionary. It should not have been reactionary. Yes. But now I'm going to say the um, number or the names and death dates of the people that he was at least convicted of. Because, like I said, there's only 15 of those. So we can go through that without taking like 10 hours. (laughs) I feel like that was that a shot? No, no. (laughs) I just mean how literally it would take me 10 hours to go through all of the people. Because I started doing that thing where I was going to try to give a little blurb about them. No. It would have been way too long. It would have been bad. Like, this would have been a five-part series of just naming the victims before we ever got to talk fucker. Not that we are saying that the victims shouldn't be having blurbed about them, but, you know, this... This podcast isn't just about Harold Shipman. <laughs> I also don't think y'all would sit and listen to me talk about that for that long. But we, I will send, I will send Cassandra a link so that she can at least include it in the description, so you can go see all the names of the people. Yeah, I will do that. <laughs> so there's Marie West, who is 81, and she died March 1995. So that's like one of his first, his first victim. Irene Turner, age 67, was uh, killed July 1996. Lizzie Adams was 77. She was killed February of 1977. Jean Lilly, April 1997. Ivy Lomas, I'm guessing is how you say her name. L-O-M-A-S. Age 63, killed May 1997. Muriel Grimshaw, age 76 was killed July 1997. Marie Quinn, age 67, was killed November 1997. Laura Kathleen Wagstaff was 81 and killed December 1977. Also December 1977 was Bianca Pomfret, aged 49. So there's kind of a younger one. Well, the 58 was younger too, but that's getting under the 50s. Nora Nutt, age 64, killed January of 1998. Pamela Marguerite Hillier, age 68, was killed February 1998. Also February 1998 was 57-year-old Maureen Alice Ward. Um, May 1998 was 73-year-old Winifred Mellor. And I've got to wait for my computer here. Sorry, it's being silly. But I do think it's interesting. So 1995, 1996, it was only one. 97, he kind of went on a big spree there, if you noticed. Including two in the same month. But it spans from the 70s to the 90s? Yes. That's crazy. But the 90s are the only ones that got the convictions. Which to me is just insane. And then, yeah, like, so 97, it was February, April, May, June, or April, May, July, November, two in December, and then just kept going. January 98, February 98, there were two, May 98. 
And I'm just like, man, how the heck are we, like, how do people not notice this? At that, at least, you know? Like, to me, that just seems like there, there should be, it should have been a lot easier to find this out. But then, continuing in 98, there was um, Winifred Malore in May of 1998, Joan May Malia, June 1998, and then the woman who got him caught was Kathleen Grundy, who was 81, and she was killed in 1998. So, those are the ones he got convicted of. There are obviously many, many more. I said, you know, there was somebody all the way down to aged 41. But... Like See, and that's what makes it that's the big that's the big hole in his case right there is that he was killing younger people. Yeah. And maybe it just wasn't enough that it was a problem or like it was like well not a problem, but like it wasn't noticeable. Or like they were people that people knew were like reckless or something. But yeah, that bothers me. But that is the case of who they call Dr. Death. Which is a name that kind of makes me laugh a little bit. But it does, I feel like it's so unoriginal, but like what else would you call him? Asshole. <laughs> it needs to be PG for the papers, Kate. A-hole? <laughs> Dr. A-hole. <laughs> A asterisk asterisk hole. Okay. I'm telling you. At least it's. I'm sorry. My my favorite is still Jack. Um, Jack the Stripper. That that one makes me so happy. Like, <laughs> goddamn. We are never gonna get over that. No, we're not. Until we find a better one. Until we find a better one, yeah. I st yep. We still haven't found a better one, though. In no. my opinion. We won't. Jack the Stripper takes the cake. <laughs> Alright, guys. So, if you have any suggestions, please feel free to message us on our Instagram, Hot Mess Witchy Express. Um, you can also send me an email at witchypittymom at gmail. Uh, you can also message Kate and I on TikTok. Kate is Anna of the Undead. It took me a minute because I'm like, I don't remember what your name on TikTok is. I just look for your profile picture. So I mean, it's there. That, that's that's probably the easiest way to find me. <laughs> and I'm Witchy Pity Mom on TikTok, of course. I'm Witchy Pity Mom on everything. So if you can't find me on one social media under that, you can find me under all the other ones under that. So. I mean, it's pretty easy to find me. Is that a good thing or a bad thing, though? Well, you know, it's a bad thing because I've had people messaging me on Facebook wanting to be my God. Facebook friend. And I'm like, I don't even know you, dude. Like, right. So like, I don't. 
are you? I'm really weird about my Facebook because honestly, the only reason why I still have it is because it keeps me in touch with people I've known since middle school and my family. I mean, so when people from like other platforms go to my Facebook and like try to friend me, I'm like, uh, no. Because I have pictures, I mean, I have pictures of my kids on Instagram, but, like, all my family shit is on Facebook, and I'm like... to see this. I'm like, ah, you don't need to see all my personal life, my guy. So, no. (laughs) I'm just special, guys, okay? Yes, Kate's special. I actually, I think you and I have one other person that I have made friends with on TikTok is on my Facebook, and that's it. Like, I'm very, like, I have... Yeah, I got three. Not to toot my own horn, but I have 81.7k followers on TikTok. And out of those people, only two have my Facebook. (laughs) There is a very tough screening process, guys. (laughs) I like no. Like I, I'm, I'm super weird about that. I don't know why. Because it's, it's not like well, you know why? Because it has the city I live in. Hmm. That's yeah. That's fair. And once you got here, if you saw the surroundings, it would not be hard to figure out who I was. <laughs> that's fair. I stick out like a sore thumb in this community. Uh, I mean, I've I've seen other people with dyed hair and tattoos, but honestly, like not to the extent where you could probably hide in a crowd, right? I would not be able to hide in a crowd, especially if it's sunny out, because my, my the purple in my hair is so bright. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so now that we've scrolled off at the end... <laughs> always. Um, as always, if you can't love yourself, how in the hell are you going to love anybody else? Can I get an amen? Amen. All right, y'all. We'll, we'll see you next time. Bye! Bye!